New Testament lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the church at Galatia, the third, starting in the third chapter, verse 25. He writes, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a custodian. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now if you are Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. I'm saying that as long as the heirs are minors, they are no different from slaves, even though they really are the owners of everything. However, they are placed under trustees and guardians until the date set by the parents. In the same way, when we were minors, we were also enslaved by this world's system. When the fulfillment of the time came, God sent his son born through a woman and born under the law. This was so he could redeem those under the law, so that we could be adopted. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. And if you are his child, then you are also an heir through God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are used to the word blended to describe families, especially new families formed after remarriages. One person might use the term to help someone understand how they all of a sudden have adult children. Another uses it to tell teachers why their children might have a difficult time emotionally at school. They just remarried and are getting used to a blended family. Rather than construing this word blended as sometimes a negative, I would like us to think about the family from a Christian perspective as a blending process. Friends, there is no normal family. The image of the picture-perfect nuclear family that we have and that society wants us to aspire to simply is not real. Even families that are, quote, intact and haven't experienced the pains of divorce still have their own brokenness and pain. So this morning, I want to present or think about all families as blended families. I'll explain more what I mean. First, because of our baptism, we are adopted as God's children. Listen to Paul's use of this word all in Galatians 3, just these three verses, 26 to 28. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul is making the case to the church at Galatia that the Gentile converts to Jesus do not need to follow the Jewish law. Rather, through the waters of baptism, they are God's children. They are one in Christ, regardless of their ethnic status. Thus, God already has created a blended family in Christ, Jew and Gentile, together. Baptism displays this amazing work of God, for grace is not through the accomplishment of people, but through God's initiative. What the Galatian Christians and we are given is a new identity in Christ. We are Christ. Through baptism, God has adopted us 
into God's own family. And in this adoption, Paul writes, we are made God's children and heirs of God's promise. We are given the benefits and status of being God's children. And we are also given the responsibilities of being God's children. This is nothing less than earth-shattering news, that God sending his son into the world resulted in God receiving human beings in a new relationship as God's very sons and daughters. This is the Christian gospel. We were estranged from God, and God not only made a way for us to be saved, God brought humanity's flesh into his very family and welcomed us as his own sons and daughters. Thus God created a blended family, human beings as part of God's family. A family that is without the barriers of ethnicity and race, a family without the division of class and economic status, and a family without the advantages and disadvantages of gender. As such, we can mirror God's love toward us in our love toward our families. God's love toward us throughout the Bible is covenantal. God makes a covenant with Noah, with Abraham, Moses, and David. Covenant is an undying promise that God makes. It is not dependent upon Israel's response nor humanity's response. It is faithful, steadfast, and undying. We see this covenantal love embodied in the story of Ruth. You might not know Ruth's story well, but it's a beautiful picture of what covenant love looks like. Naomi and her sons had moved from Bethlehem to Moab during a famine outside of Israel. And during their time in Moab, her two sons took wives. This alone was scandalous, for intermarriage was not okay for God's people. Both Naomi's husband and then her two sons died, leaving Naomi with these two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. Orpah and Ruth owed Naomi nothing, and Naomi's only possibility of any security at all was to go back to Bethlehem. Without her sons or her husband, she had no means in a patriarchal society. As she gets ready to travel back to Bethlehem, she urges her daughters-in-law not to come with her. But they stay the course. She instructs them again to leave her, and this time Orpah does. But Ruth refuses to do so. She remains loyal and commits herself to Naomi. Ruth gives this beautiful speech to Naomi that is often read at weddings. But more than sentiment, Ruth's words display a clash of wills with Naomi. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me, and more so if even death separates me from you. Ruth's loyalty is not sensible, and it is not culturally appropriate, but her loyalty is honored and given to us as an example. Ruth, this foreigner woman, this outsider, ends up in the direct lineage to David. Thus, she is also in direct lineage to Jesus. Ruth chooses love. 
and she chooses to love her mother-in-law in this way. How many sitcoms have been written about the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship? And yet Ruth binds herself to Naomi, her mother-in-law, choosing to emulate God's covenant love over and above what was sensible. In marriage from the Christian perspective, we speak about it as a covenant. Covenant implies the words of our marriage vows that are not dependent upon circumstances. Covenant is far deeper faithfulness than a contract. Our broader culture often views marriage from a contractual perspective. Thus, we have prenuptial agreements in culture. They provide a way out, an insurance policy, in case the marriage goes bad. Rodney Clapp writes about the difference between covenantal and contractual fidelity this way. Covenantal fidelity is based on a promise. Covenants are risks. They admit no qualifications or reservations. Contractual fidelity is based on calculation. A contract is not so risky and includes qualifications and reservations, end quote. Covenants are risks without qualifications or reservations. I remember the morning of my wedding, walking around my yard and praying, full of nervous energy for the day. I could feel the risky weightiness of it all. And yet, it was the most joyful day of my life. But if Laura's promise to me at the altar included the words, for richer, but definitely not poorer, in good looks, but definitely not too much aging, it would not have been a very celebratory time. A contractual view of marriage says, let's do this until one or both of us don't really feel like it anymore. Something of ourselves is held back in a view of marriage like that. We cannot fully trust the other and rely upon the love of God to sustain us, even when we don't feel the love for one another in certain seasons. Our love for our families, beyond spouses, can also be and become covenantal. Healthy marriages are based upon covenant because they are grounded in trust and fidelity. If marriages and bearing children are the basis of family, then all of our families need to have a healthy understanding of blending. For in family, we are welcoming strangers into our lives. Whether that stranger is a spouse, a child, a stepchild, a stepparent, an in-law, we are called to covenantal love. Love without condition or contract. For in families, we are able to receive unconditional love even after we have experienced the hurt and the brokenness of relationships. We can mirror God's love toward us. For when we grasp our own adoption as God's children, we are able to covenantally choose our own families and so experience God's covenantal love toward us. Friends, here's the reality. There is no ideal family. All families are a little bit of a mess. And we can choose to love these families with the covenant love of God. My call to you is that we would actually take on the vows of the marriage covenant with our own families. From this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. 
As we love one another with this covenantal love, may we discover and participate in God's unconditional love toward us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.